All right, so tonight we're in Judges, the freak show um, of these crazy broken people that Jesus and God is always using to save his people. Um, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, there's this cycle that people go through, right? They, they get in trouble, they go worship false gods, God brings somebody to judge them, and then when they get judged, they're like, okay, this sucks, we don't want to be here anymore, so they cry out to God, God has amazing mercy on them, and rescues them, and they're good for a couple 40 years or whatever, and they go right back into it. And it's usually a generation, we talked about that last week, it's a generation that forgets with the generation before, they, they didn't pass down the stories. They didn't pass down the, or they passed down information and not revelation. So um, I think that in our generation, we're, we're losing millennials right and left to church because they're so over-informed, but they have very little power of the spirit and power of revelation in their own life. And so they're looking at us going, why would we do this? This is, I don't understand this. I don't, why are we spinning these plates? And I don't, I don't get it. And so they're exiting and polls show and studies show and metrics show that they're exiting at a alarming rate in so much that in a generation we will be like the Church of England, if not worse off, unless we make a huge course correction. And I believe that is the revelation and power of the Spirit coming back into our lives and not just some sort of show that we come up here every Saturday or Sunday morning and say, let me entertain you. As long as we ring the cash registers every week, then we'll be okay, right? Because we got to keep the lights on, the building warm, and the staff fed and paid and all that stuff to make sure that you're taken care of. Well, we've created... Guilty, a consumerism culture and not a discipleship culture. And so what we've done is we've just got this secular cycle again that's coming back just like the children of Israel. We've forgotten the stories of old where people's arms were growing and eyes were being healed and people being instantly saved and filled with the Spirit at baptisms. And it was just like, wow, those are great stories. But somehow we've missed the revelation and the power of them. We've tried to manufacture them and we've tried to manipulate them and we've tried to create them and invent them versus letting the Holy Spirit just move in them. That's what we're missing today. And that's what the children of Israel were missing constantly. This has become one of my favorite stories. If you've got your Bibles or your uh, iPads or phones or something, go to Judges 4 and 5. We're going to read that tonight. Judges 4 and 5. I am in the message. Message. Okay. Judges 4 verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. Remember Ehud? Withered right hand, left-handed dude. Not a chance in hell this guy would ever be a judge or a rescuer or a savior. And God chose him to do so. I'm telling you guys, God is using broken people to save the world. And it's so exciting to watch broken people become used by God. They, and all they're saying is, I don't have any real ability. I don't have any real talent. I don't have any real success. I don't have any degrees after my name. And I don't have any dot, dot, dots and PhDs and MDDs and everything like that. But what I do have is an available heart. Well, all I'm saying is, I just want to be available. And God will use that. So Ehud. He dies, and they go back into their cycle. Jabin, the king of Canaan, comes in, kicks their rear ends, and he had 900 chariots. These were like the tanks of the Old Testament, okay? 
People that had 900 chariots, you did not mess with nations with chariots. Uh, that means that they were skilled in iron. That means that they had spears and swords and arrows. That means that they could swiftly run down a, a, a foot soldier or 10 or 12 at a time. Uh, they would get real creative with the wheels and put spikes and razor blades on the wheels and just cut people up as horses were literally trampling people to death. Can you imagine 900 chariots of iron? They, these people were being... a. Um, uh, succumb to. Verse 4, now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Ab Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, okay, Go take you and 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulon and lead them up to Mount Tabor, and I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give them into your hands. All right, so set the stage here. Here's Deborah. She's a prophetess, so she's got the gift of prophecy. She's acting in the office of a prophet. She's a seer. Some of the virgins actually call her uh, Deborah the seer. She could see the future. She could hear the spirit of God and disseminate what God was saying and then translate it for people as they were walking out their lives. And so she didn't have a, you know, super big ministry. She didn't have private jets. She met under a palm tree. And there she was, meeting under palm tree, holding court. And people would come to her and just get their issues resolved. She was a judge, but she was also a prophetess. She was acting in the office of this spirit-filled woman who was enabled by God and by the spirit to be able to discern wisdom and to be able to see things between disputes between people. Does this all make sense? Okay. So then she calls uh, um, Barak. Now, Barak is a stud, right? Barak is not uh, um, a, a little mamsy-pamsy guy. He is uh, called by the Lord. He's commander of the uh, armies of Israel at this time. And uh, so she says, look, here's what, the, what God is saying to you, Barak. This is what God's saying to you. You need to gather 10,000 men, shoot down the mountain, and guess what? Your enemy's going to engage you there. And I kind of find that funny. Like, hey, by the way, here's what the Lord is saying. Um, he wants you to just meet in this riverbed, and, uh, and he's going to send your enemy there. Oh, great, thanks. Uh, thanks for ruining my day. I mean, imagine that. We're thinking, yay, I get to go to war. No, that would kind of suck. I don't want to go to war. I don't want, this is not a word that I think that Barak was jumping up and down about. Nevertheless, he obeyed, and he did it. And Barak said this in verse 8. He says, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And this is fascinating to me, especially in this time and this season, because women generally were not uh, considered in people of affluence or influence, for that matter. They were always sort of sub-secondary, although that was never God's plan, and we're going to unwrap that all tonight. But it, and it was Barak saying, hey, look, I understand. See, look, this story has been sort of twisted over the years. One of the things that drives me crazy about this is like, well, God chose Deborah because there were no real men of God around. Well, that's just stupid. Because you know what it says? It says that women are God's second choice. Come on. If we, if we take that stance, and if we say, well, God chose Deborah because there were no men around at that time, then that just means, oh, well, God, I sought for a man among them. Oh, I guess I'll use a woman. You know, that's not God's heart at all. God gives gifts to women and men dispassionately and without repentance. 
He gives them both offices. Both, both can operate in all the gifts. There's not a gift for men and a gift for women and a clothing line for men and a clothing line for women. It's, it's God saying, hey, you're gifted in this regardless of what sex you are or, or how you operate. If you have blonde hair or brown hair, if you have blue eyes or brown eyes, if you're male or female, I give gifts without repentance. In other words, I'm not sorry about it. And I love to give good gifts. So let's just unwrap that thought in our mind. Well, God is using Deborah because there were no good men. And I've heard that preached, and maybe you have too. Well, because there's no good men, and, you know, Deborah's song in Judges chapter 5 says, wake up, princes, wait, we'll get there. Anyway, um, it's just uh, stupid. It's just not what it means. That God was choosing Deborah because Deborah was available. That's all. She said, here I am. I just want to receive what God has for me. I just want to say I'm available. And then she, and by the way, if you have a gift and you're not using it, you need to start practicing it. You need to start practicing your gift. Ladies, let me wake you up tonight. If you have a gift and you're not operating in those gifts, can I just, can I just put a little electric cord in your uh, hand and say, I'm like, where do I put that? <laughs> Outlet. <laughs> and fire you up. It's time. It's time. It's time for the church body to operate in wholeness. For centuries, we've operated at 50% capacity because men have been leading. Oh, come on. I thought I'd get a... Yeah. We're not our best selves without the expression of our females. We're not the best self if we do not have the opinions and the input of our females. We are not our best selves if we can't hear what the Holy Spirit is saying through our women. I love, I love, I love how we set up our elders. If you don't know, we have men and women elders at Keystone. We need that. Men are dumb sometimes. They can be pretty smart, don't get me wrong. But get a bunch of men in a room, and we make stupid decisions. Sometimes women are our break, and sometimes women are the gas. <laughs> so we need that. You need that in marriage. You need that in relationships. Men, we've got to start heeding the counsel of our wives. Slow down. Think about what you're doing. Are you, have you thought this through? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Have you thought this through? They're on the same ride we're on. If we lose, they lose. If we win, they win. They're for you. Do you hear all my wife's words coming out of my mouth? Yes, I am, Lily. Anyway, so Deborah says, okay, I'll go with you. But because the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, there Barak summoned Zebulon and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went with him. Now, here's an odd little insert in this story. Verse 11 says, Now Heber the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law. It's pretty cool. And pitched his tent by the great tree in Zaanamin near Kadesh. Okay. Well, we're going to get back to that. In verse 12, it says, When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam had gone up to the Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned the, uh, from, uh, yeah, all those words, and his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. So he takes his entire fleet 
of tanks to meet Barak. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Now, it's interesting because we're like, why did he get off of his chariot? Well, it's cool. Judges chapter 5 is the song of Deborah. And if you've never read that, we, we sing, wake up, wake up, wake up. That's like, that's from Judges chapter 5. I know none of you recognize that song, but that, we do sing that song. We sing that, awake tonight, awaken me, awake me up. She's literally singing that to herself. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up, our Deborahs. Wake up. Wake up. Rise from your sleep. Rise from the ashes of your bad mistakes. Down the glorious robe of forgiveness and grace. Wake up. Deborah goes with him. Here, here. He flees from his chariot. You know why? Because it starts to rain. It's really cool. He goes down to a riverbed. Now think about it. A smart captain would never take 900 chariots of iron to a riverbed had he thought it was going to rain. And it was really, history tells us that the Israelites, and they actually made war. There was like a season of war. And the season of war was always in the dry season. So there was no rain expected. There was like a three-month just, it's going to be dry. It's going to be good conditions for war, if you can imagine that. So they had these war seasons, seasons of war. And so Cicero was like, this is perfect opportunity for me to mow them down. Out of the blue, it starts to rain. The chariots can't move in a riverbed. Think about it. They're stuck. They're useless. I love how God inserts these little stories like, okay, why are we battling in a riverbed? Because we're not expecting rain. So when it starts to rain, his chariots become useless. How many times do you know that God can use something so simple against something so seemingly great? Like, how are we going to get out of this? There's 900 chariots. There's 900 tanks against us with our little sticks and shovels and pitchforks. I mean, 900. Think about that. 900. Think about 900 cars. Colin, how many cars does an average dealership hold? Two or 300 maybe? Five, 600? Yeah, so you could almost double that. Imagine all the new cars and make that big chariots. Like that's freaking, that would freak me out. We sometimes look at the enemy and go, there's no way we're going to win. There's no way we're going to take this city. There's no way we're ever going to see freedom in that person's life because they're just so jacked up. And all God does is let it rain. All he does is just let it rain. And all the enemy's power is now useless. It can't get anywhere. It's stuck in the mud. All he does is something so simple. So here we go. Sister is running. Now, remember the family that camped out in the woods? He's going to meet up with them. So he gets down running. Verse 14, Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Haresh and fled the troops and fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Hey, it's Moses' brother-in-law, or family descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. It's fascinating. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. Listen, dudes, 
if a lady is at her tent and she's saying, come in, be afraid. All right? Run. Okay? Little little note. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened up a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him up. You know what? This might be NIV. I'm so sorry. It's ESV? Oh. Are you guys following along? Is it close enough? <laughs> I think it's NIV. Anyway, so she went out and covered it with a blanket. He said, I'm thirsty. She gave him some milk. Uh, then he says, stand in the doorway. And he told her, someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there? Say no. Okay, check this out. But Jael, verse 21, Heber's wife picks up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him. And while he lay fast asleep, exhausted, she drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. And she stepped out of his tent and said, nailed it. <laughs> Sorry, this is bad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against the king of Jabin until they destroyed him. Okay, let me give you some takeaways. Number one, write this down. God equips men and women both for leadership in his kingdom. Both. Say it with me. Both. Both. There is no, I just believe this, that, that there is no discrimination between men and women in when it comes to the gifts, leadership, roles that God can appoint. Uh, there are still that those who believe that there, there are some offices only held for men. Okay, I'm not going to, Get, get in a sword fight with that. Um, here at Keystone, we just simply believe if God's called you to a gift, your gift will make a way for you. Your gift will present you before kings. It is not discriminatory between a man and a woman. Got it? God gives gifts to both men and women. There's no distinction of gifting in the body of Christ. God gives without prejudice or repentance. Um, I love then that Paul said, hey, God loves to give good gifts to his kids, and he loves to give them without repentance. In other words, he doesn't, there's no shadow of turning. There's no changing of his mind. There's like, I'm just teasing you. It's not a little carrot that he dangles in front of his people. He loves to give good gifts. I love the verse in John when Jesus told his disciples, he said, fear not, little ones. It is my pleasure to give you the kingdom. My pleasure. I love doing this for you. I love it. We just need to accept it. Here's a couple of little thoughts under that. Our women are not created to sit on the sidelines. A stinking men. Our women are not created to sit on the sidelines. Walk in your divinely appointed gift, ladies. Walk in your divinely appointed gift. And you can do all of this through God's grace. Um, I love this story. I love that God uses, let's go back to jail for just a minute. God uses a, a very common item. So a tent peg uh, for people that were nomadic or that lived in tents was not uncommon. These were things that would sometimes pull up or they'd have to uh, nail them back down. They're usually about 18 inches long, so they were super long. And you had to be kind of a talent person to kind of nail the tent peg without hitting your hand, right? Have you ever tried to nail a nail and you're not good at it and you've hit your hand several times? Right. Um, it takes concentration. I was just watching this new um, biathlon. One of my favorite cyclists is Peter Sagan. And uh, he um, was doing this biathlon where he rides a bike, rides a bike for 
I don't know, 100 miles, and he gets out, and he tries to shoot something, and then he has like 10 nails on a stump that he has to try and hammer in. I mean, can you imagine the concentration? We've ridden bikes. Um, we've, we've like done, I've, I've never shot after reading a riding a bike, but there's, you're like shaky, and you know, you're all kind of like weak-kneed, and you, and you try to shoot something, and then after you shoot something, you have to take a hammer and try to nail in 10 nails on top of a stump. It's crazy. That it's hot, it takes talent. So my point is this, that JL was, was crafted in the common. This was like a frying pan to her. Basically, Sisera was killed by the frying pan. It was pretty simple. It's like Lord of the Rings, a little dwarf, a uh, little elf, uh, uh, hobbit, killing people with, you know, hey, I can get the hand of this. Bang, he hits people with the frying pan. It was that common, but it took skill. I mean, think about that first hit. Oh, and just the guts it took her to keep going and drive that thing into the ground. It's insane. I told you, Judges was a freak show. But once again, God uses something so common right at your disposal, right at what you're already naturally gifted at to destroy the enemy. It's so, so good. So many times we try to look at somebody else's gifts or we try to say, well, I, I, I really want to be like that, so I better you know, hone my skills. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But make sure you look at your gift set that God's given you naturally already. You're already naturally flowing in what, how God's created you to be. And especially you ladies. Can I just say you're not, you're not subservient. You're not less than. And you're not God's second choice. Amen. You're equal. It is man and woman walking beside each other. There's not one in front and there's not one behind. It's so clear how God took women out of the side of man to walk beside him. She's not to rule over him, but he's not to rule over her in that way. They're to walk together in synchronicity, in unity, listening to each other, operating in unity and agreement with one another. So good. Let me encourage you men at the same time. We have the story of Barak, obviously Deborah. And when I grew up, it was always, it was funny because it was always the story of Deborah and Barak. It was just never the story of Deborah. Isn't that funny? I'm catching all these little nuances of these things that, that, that have influenced me over the years. And it was always, let me tell you the story of Deborah and Barack. Well, why is it to be you know, Barack? Barack really didn't do anything. He just, he just went on to marathon. He just started chasing chariots. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. And Deborah is the one who ignited this thing. And then JL, another awesome woman, finished it out. Okay. Men, you need to engage in the battle and not stay back with the ships. There's a cool little verse, Judges chapter 5. This is a song of Deborah. So Deborah's singing the song. I encourage you guys to read it. It's super cool. And she's encouraging herself, but then she's sort of rebuking some of the guys that stayed back. She's like, hey, Dan and Asher, uh, you guys are babies, okay? And Reuben, you need to get your head out of the sand and make a decision. I mean, she didn't say it that way, but basically that's what she's saying. She said, Reuben, you're gathering around campfires and you can't make a decision. Dan, why are you going sailing? Asher, you're just standing on the shoreline, just, just looking at the sea, going, oh, how pretty this is. Get engaged. She's calling for men to get engaged. Isn't it this amazing? This woman judge is saying, wake up, men. Because she says, how great the nation is when the princes are engaged. 
when the men are engaged in battle, how the nation rejoices. I was thinking about this today, and I thought, this is probably a picture of a man who was never initiated. Now, he was initiated in one aspect of male initiation, which is war. And if you've been in the military and you know that, you understand that, you understand the camaraderie of that, we are pretty good at initiating men in war, but we've never completed their initiation in every other cycle that a man needs to go through. The lover, the poet, the caregiver, the servant. They need to go through that. Men need to be initiated in those areas just as much as they need to be initiated in the, in the war factor. And I just feel like Barack wasn't completely initiated. Now, women have a natural initiation cycle. I mean, you guys, there's stuff that happens to you that you have no control over. It's like, okay, all right, I guess I got to deal with this. Men don't do that. Men don't naturally have things that occur to them in their physical bodies that say, oh, whoa, hey, what's going on yonder ways? And hey, what, 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 what's happening? And why is that happening? And oh my God, I feel terrible. And women are naturally initiated through time. And I love that because they're, they're like ready. They're full. They're complete. They're created to carry life. We just, I mean, we're, we're just, we need a lot more help. Deborah, we need, let me just say this. Men, I, would, I hope you agree with me, but we need a lot more Deborahs in our lives. We need a lot more women that say, hey, I see this in you. And it's not, if you've got a mother wound huge like me, where your mom was just um, working her stuff out, right? If, you, if that's you and you're walking through that, then you, you, the best thing you can do is start receiving from a woman, a godly woman. The best thing you can do is start receiving counsel from a woman that says, hey, this is what I feel. This is what I'm sensing. Measure it just like you would. But sometimes I think we dismiss what women say as like, oh, that's just so emotional. Oh, you're just emotional. Oh, it's raining today. Are you emotional today because it's raining? I'm sorry. The sun will come out tomorrow, Annie. You'll be just fine. (laughs) Do you know female missionaries are outnumbering male missionaries four to one? Four to one. I was at G42, there was three guys in the room and 30 girls. True story. Where are our men? Sleeping. I love this. I love how God used a woman to bring justice to a man who abused women. It was said by historians and theologians that Sister has spent his entire life abusing women. Uh, one of the common characteristics of a man like this was to go in and rape and pillage and murder. And then God actually was setting things right. See, God was always putting things right in right order. Justice means putting things in right order. It doesn't mean someone has to die. It just means that some things that were out of order, God is putting back in order. So he's elevating, once again, the level of women where they should be. Come on. When God is like, hey, I'm going, to make, I'm going to make this just. I'm going to put this back where it should be. And so a woman is now going to get credit for tearing down this army. I'm elevating her to the rank in which she was originally designed to walk in. Again, this wasn't a, second, this wasn't a plan B. This wasn't like, oh, gosh, I guess I got to use a girl this time. Oh, well, there's no men around. No, there are plenty of men around. He, this whole, if you could see the story from the lens of the complete justice, you're seeing that all women are being elevated back to their rightful place of where God originally intended them to be. Barack was actually kind of smart. 
I know where power comes from. I respect your office. And if you don't go with me, we think, well, Brock, what a sissy, man. Why don't you just go on your own? Actually, he's kind of smart. And I don't think he really cared. He didn't hear him argue about getting glory from the battle. Great, give it to a woman. I know where I belong in this story. And I know where you belong in this story. I belong right next to you and you belong right next to me. <laughs> so good. Can you imagine being, can you imagine being Deborah's husband? Like, that's like being married to Catherine. <laughs> Come on. It's, wow, I'm getting the deadly stare. All right, sorry. Um, God is always using the odd, the weak, and the common to establish his kingdom and bring things into alignment. Get that, guys. God is always using the common, the weak, the ordinary to bring alignment back to his kingdom to bring things back into justice. <sighs> Judges chapter 5, you guys, you got to read this. Please, I mean, just this week, it is an amazing, amazing song of how Deborah is waking herself up. Ladies, let me just encourage you tonight. If you take away something tonight, say, I'm going to read Judges chapter 5. I'm going to read this and let it bring me to life. I'm going to remind myself who I am in the Father's eyes. I was talking with a gal. Um, we, were, we were just uh, at work, and my team is real small, but that works at Focus, and we have 200 volunteers, whatever. But, um, and they're all ladies, <laughs> so it's awesome. So my God, just smiling the whole time. Guess what? I'm going to give you a job with all women. It's just perfect. So I sit in these, uh, this glass house, basically, Focus on the Family, and um, it's this uh, kind of cool space, but we talk a lot. You know, we just gather and we, we talk about each other's lives and you know, how it's going. And so I have a friend of mine, and she was telling me about her daughter. Uh, one of the girls I work with was telling me about her daughter. There's like an app online where you can rate your friends. And uh, girls are really getting into this, and they're, there's like your arrow goes left or right. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like our girls don't have enough to deal with, and now they've got an app so you can rate your friends? She says, yeah, my, my, whole, my, whole, my daughter's whole world is now wrapped up in this app just trying to get her friends to rate her better. Wake up! I mean, my God! Can you imagine Deborah going, wake up, sisters! Wake up! Why are you judging each other? Don't you have enough to deal with? Don't you have enough self-image self issues to deal with? without inviting people to rate you? It's just so, it's so demeaning. I just couldn't believe my ears. And she's just almost in tears going, how do I, how do I help my daughter? Well, number one, get rid of the freaking app. Dummy. How do I help her? Well, just take control. Tell her who she is. <sighs> Tell my daughter, how many, remember that conversation we had the other day? I say, hey, how many times, maybe ladies, you can help me. How many times does a woman need to hear that you're valued before she believes it? Has to be from God. But what if someone tells you, male or female, doesn't matter, God says you're valued. How many times do you have to hear that God says you're valued before you believe it. I just, I feel like 
Now, I might be way off base here, so you guys can help me. I feel like sometimes we're like preaching all the time, God, oh, God loves you, and this is what he says, and he's a good dad. And one word from somebody outside the camp can tear your life completely apart. Am I too far off base there? Probably male and female, right? I mean, we're like, oh, yes. We go to church, and we're like, oh, my God, I feel so good. I laid my robe down, and that guy, Michael, was so cool, and the dude with cool hair was singing, and, and I just was awesome, and I can't remember everything that happened. Oh, my God, you're, God, you look ugly today. <laughs> and we hit rock bottom. Or, oh, my God, your hair is just, what do you, why'd you do your hair like that? And it just it destroys us. Isn't it amazing how one tiny little thing can destroy all the truth we know that God speaks about us? In Judges chapter 5, Deborah is literally singing life over herself. And I think that even might be the key is once the Holy Spirit resides in you, you start speaking what he's speaking. (laughs) Let me back up. You start speaking what she's speaking. Come on. It might be exactly what you need. It might be exactly the voice you need to hear in your spirit. Let me just encourage you, ladies. What does find out every promise that God says about you? And then make sure you're reminding yourself, speaking them over yourself, speaking that life and that truth and that, I promise you the enemy, I think one of the purest, deadliest tricks the enemy had was revealed in Genesis chapter two or three, somewhere in Genesis early. That man became passive and the woman who really, had tons of influence, was deceived by words outside of what God had said. Hath God surely said? Hath God really said that? Ladies, let me encourage you. If you've got that app, by the way, get rid of it. Don't let your daughters get that. It's retarded. And social media in itself, guys, is, can be cancerous. I see, I mean, the stuff on Snapchat and the stuff, I mean, and, and now we live in this fake reality where you can put bunny ears on yourself and, and you put all these filters on yourself and you look way different than you actually do and you're just, you're just lying. You're saying, look at me, look at all, look how pretty I look. You're lying. You're pretty just like you are. You're beautiful. You don't need bunny ears and whiskers and rosy cheeks and, I mean, I get it. It's fun. It's, you know, I'm not saying that, but it, it sort of gets into our psyche because then that becomes our reality. And then we go to the mirror and go, oh God, I'm just going to go back to Snapchat. That's a lot better. It's a lot more fun. It's like these movies we saw, like, um, what's, it's one obscure movie. Oh, it's so frustrating when I can't think of things. I don't, I don't even know what to Google. I don't even know how to start. Um, surrogate. Anybody see Surrogate. It's a bizarre movie where these people like go to sleep and then their false selves walk around and they're all perfectly, they're perfect humans. It was Bruce Willis and the girl that played in Pride and Prejudice. I don't know. So they, they walked around and uh, they're perfectly beautiful people. But when they came back to reality, they couldn't stand it because they are blemished and they were broken and they were weak and they, they hadn't, their muscles were in atrophy. And I was like, that is the Christian body. That is the church. We go to church on Sundays and we're all in our surrogate bodies and we're like, oh, look at me. Look at my little Snapchat. Look how pretty I am. Look how pretty I am. And then Tuesday comes and we're like, oh my God, I'm so broken. I don't know what to 
And that's exactly the place God says, finally, if you'll just allow me to work in your brokenness, that's where I really like to operate. That's, I love that space. Let me use a frying pan and we'll kill the enemy together. Come on, it's awesome. It'll be fun. But let me just use you just like you are. Just like you are. I don't know. I hope this helps. Um, let's pray. Father, thanks for our great women Thank you for women who are on the cusps of breakthrough. Thank you for women who are powerful and anointed and engaged and beautiful and amazing. And they're just, they're just amazing. And we've taken them for granted for so long. God is a guy, can you forgive me? So many times, not heeding the counsel, not listening, not, and it has made trouble for me. So as men, Lord, we repent tonight and say, forgive us. Ladies, forgive us. Wives, daughters, sisters, moms, grandmothers, aunts, for not heeding your counsel, for not listening, for making you a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God. And it's just not what you intended. So tonight, Father, we just repent. We lay that mindset down we say, we say, ladies, raise and rise up. Raise your standard. Raise your awareness and rise up to the level that God has called you to. I bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.